Let's bow our heads and pray together. Lord, in the hearing of your word, we ask that uh, we might understand the way that you would have in us, understand it in our minds, and change our hearts, we pray, so that what we sing, have your way in us, may be ever more true day by day. Amen. Would you please turn? Sit. Yes, sorry. Sit. Sorry. You weren't sitting. Um, And having sat, would you please turn uh, to page 962? And the last page of the Old Testament. Well, if you've heard a finance presentation... There's one question that is obviously going to be burning itself in your minds and hearts right now. Uh, And that question, of course, is how much? That's the question you uh, want answered. Uh, And what I'm going to try and do uh, in our time uh, now is to kind of uh, steer... Uh, a way towards answering that question, how much, for each one of us. Uh, I'm not going to say, confine myself only to the issues of this is how much. I'm also going to say, this isn't uh, how much. It's a perfectly proper question, and I hope that because of our time together, you'll have some answers that you may not have thought about before. It's really pretty much a straightforward teach, uh, as far as I can understand things, of the whole biblical approach for a Christian of giving. Now, uh, I asked you to turn to page 962, but uh, there's a bit of a clue in the page that faces it for those of you who are following in the church Bibles and not on your phones at this point. Because the next page says... Sorry, I'm really teasing Mike, because I saw him. We know from morning prayers in staff that Mike always follows the, the Bible in, in his, uh, on his phone. At least he tells us that's what he's doing. Um, uh, uh, but I'm going to take his word for it and assume that it is uh, his phone. Yeah, there we go. Uh, and it says, the New Testament. Now, uh, what I uh, want to do is I'm, I'm kind of hoping you might trust me on this, uh, because I'm going to... I'm going to go to the Malachi for a particular issue that I want us to check out. But I want to, uh, I want to hope that you might trust me to say that from the New Testament, if we look at our giving, there are a few things that we can be sure about. It's supposed to be regular. It's supposed to be secret. It's supposed to be God-honoring. And it's supposed to be proportionate. And I want to run through some of those. Firstly, it's meant to be regular. So our giving isn't meant to be, meant meant only to be, that sense of uh, a warm, fuzzy feeling comes over you and you feel the desire to open your wallet and say, take as much cash as you'd like. So for all of those of you for whom that's a regular experience, um, uh, we don't want to exclude it but we don't want to say it's the baseline. 
St. Paul, that's St. Paul, uh, at one point in the New Testament says uh, that your giving is supposed to be set aside on the first day of the week. Now, there's two things that I think spring out of that. Firstly, if it's the first day of the week, which was the day that they set aside for public worship of the living God, then it makes it clear that your giving is part of your worship. It's not that we do the worshipy bit, and then oh, we better deal with money. Money is at the heart of our, our worship. And as a few people have said over the years, our uh, uh, checkbooks uh, tell us probably more about our worship than our songbooks do. In a few years' time, we're going to have to change that analogy because no one will remember what a checkbook uh, is. But for the moment, it'll do that our checkbooks tell us more about worship than our songbooks do. So it's on the first day, and it tells us it's part of our worship. But there's another thing about the first day. For anyone who was on a kind of regular weekly income, uh, and admittedly, there weren't all that many of them then. But the great thing about that, it strikes me, is you're, you're to honour God with the first of what comes to you. You don't know what's going to happen the rest of the week. It's like that marvellous rule in the Old Testament law where there were two harvests responding to the two seasons of rain uh, in Israel. And you, you brought the whole of the first harvest to God. There wouldn't have been much of it because it was the first fruits. And it was the whole of the first fruits that you brought to God. There'd be more later on, probably. But the whole point of bringing all of the first fruits was to say, this may be all we get this year. We don't know. We have to trust you for the rest. So if you're bringing your uh, goods on the first day of the week, it's a way not only of saying this is part of my worship, but I'm having to trust you for what else may come in. I don't know. I may get nothing. But the first of what I have, the best, is yours. So it's regular in that sense. Secondly, it's secret. Jesus says, don't let your right, left hand know what your right hand is doing. Don't talk about your giving. Uh, it, it doesn't mean you have to be obsessively uh, quiet about it. I, I do remember years ago, uh, on the finance Sunday in our church, someone harumphed at one of our church wardens afterwards and said, I don't expect to come to church and talk about money. It's private. No, it's not. It's personal. Uh, but it's not private, because God knows about it. And if God knows about it, then it's not worth keeping private. We won't know. I never know who gives what in our church. It's one of the great things about the way the Anglican system works, is I haven't a clue. It's regular. It's secret. It's God-honoring. It's, it's Christ-following. It's a disciplined devotion. It's like the use of your time, or the way that your heart is to be formed increasingly in the image of Jesus Christ. It's part of a disciplined devotion that you say, I want to, to honour you, Lord, with all of it. And some of our songs have echoed that already uh, this evening. I suspect one or two still to come may do the same. Regular, secret, God-honouring, and proportionate. And this is where I won't spend most of the time. It's meant to be based on your income. St. Paul says that at the same time he's talking about the first day of the week. And if it's proportionate to the income that 
comes your way. There's one issue we have to deal with, because some of you may come from church backgrounds where this is uh, taught. Some of you may never have heard of it, but it's certainly at the heart of the Old Testament approach, and that's the issue of tithing. Tithing is the handing over of 10% of what you have uh, to God. Not your wealth, but in the system they operated, of what came your way, what we would call now your income. It might be uh, your goods, if, you ca- if it comes as agricultural stuff, uh, or it might be money. But that's what tithing is. It's the giving, handing over of 10% to the cause of God. In the uh, old days of Israel, it was all collected together, and it was used for various purposes. Now, uh, I am always very careful, reluctantly careful, because I can't tell you how much I would, I always say this, I would just love to be able to say on behalf of Holy Trinity, just give me 10% of your stuff, and then that'll sort it. Uh, But I don't feel I can. And I think it's important to say from the scriptures why tithing, which has great principles built into it, and we'll look at some of those, why it may not be appropriate for the Christian times that we live in. What does the Old Testament say about tithing? Firstly, and this is a surprise to lots of people, it has nothing to do with giving. The language of tithing in the Old Testament uh, doesn't come in passages about giving, but in passages about sacrifice. What was going on in uh, the language of tithing was about the maintenance of part of the community, the the Levites, in fact. So it's not really fair to talk about giving and match it up to tithing from the Old Testament. Uh, Neither uh, does uh, the Old Testament ever say, give your tithes. The language is always, hand over your tithes. Because as far as God is concerned, how can you give what he's given in the first place? He says, hand it over, but he doesn't say, give it to me, because how can you give me what I gave to you? Hand over to me some part of what you've uh, been given already by me. It's not given, then, within this notion of proportion. Secondly, um, and this will be good news to some of you, um, it's for a party. Tithing worked like this, especially if you lived far away from Jerusalem. If you were near Jerusalem, then obviously you could turn up with a goat and, you know, all would be well. But if you lived quite a long way away, um, and you had, you know, ten goats, uh, what were you supposed to do? You know, the poor goat would be exhausted and emaciated by the time it turned up at at, uh, Jerusalem, and there were no trucks to take it. So what you're supposed to do is you were supposed to sell your goat locally, turn it into cash. You then made the trek to Jerusalem. When you got to Jerusalem, you used the money to buy a goat again. And then, surprisingly, what you were supposed to do with it was to eat it. You're supposed to eat it in the company of your servants, your household, and the Levites who looked after the temple. You were obliged to have fun. Uh, Now, that's not necessarily the atmosphere 
that carries over to our own thoughts about giving. But it's worth remembering that that's what tithing was for. It supported the Levites, but it was actually, uh, allow- you were actually allowed and encouraged to turn it into money, then you got it back your goat, and you gave a party. So this matter of proportion, tithing's not given, it's not for giving away, it's for a party. Second, well, thirdly, if you look in um, uh, Malachi now, and verse 10, they say, uh, how are we robbing you? God says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your cops, uh, and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit. You are going to be better off, basically. Give me the money, and you will be better off, because your crops will prosper. Uh, The only problem is, apart from the fact that we don't see that uh, in Christian times at all, it's not at all evident that it happened much in the Old Testament either. And that's where we have to go to something else about tithing, that it was only ever part of the resources that you were supposed to think about handing over. There are parts of Deuteronomy, and I don't know if I can even remember all of them, but you give your tithe, and then you give your vow gifts, your thank offerings, a couple of other um, described offerings, and on top of that, you would give your free will offerings. Uh, Tithing was only ever part of what the law prescribed. Deuteronomy, and here in Malachi, which is at the end of the Old Testament, about 400 years before Jesus, Deuteronomy is much earlier, there are criticisms built in of what's going wrong with tithing. Deuteronomy talks about the lack of the total package, but then it talks about just how much you were supposed to think about handing over. Malachi talks about you're not even bringing in the full tithes, let alone the vagus and the thank offerings, the free will offerings, and all the other kind of offerings. You're not even bringing in the full tithe. Fifthly, if you keep an attention between the Malachi page and the New Testament page, Jesus doesn't really commend tithing. Jesus' approach, rather, is, a, is an approach of kind of wild giving. Remember, he commends the widow who puts in two small coins because it was all she had. And he criticizes the Pharisees who know to a hair's breadth how much they're supposed to tithe but neglect what he calls the weightier matters of the law. The point of all that, to me, is that if we as Christians approach the matter of giving, we're going to be hard put to say, oh yeah, the answer is going to be tithing. Tithing was only ever a part. Uh, There's actually not much evidence that it ever happened the way it was supposed to. And Jesus doesn't seem to worry about it that much and has a different principle entirely. But what we can say from the New Testament is that giving was to be regular, secret, God-honoring, and proportionate. And so, two questions. If we're on our way to the question, how much? One question. 
what can I get away with? You know those times where in your heart of hearts, what you've said to yourself is, I'll do this and God won't mind. Well, if you've, all, if you've said that, you've already totally lost the plot. Because God isn't there to mind. God is there because he wants everything that we are. He is a giver. He's given everything to us. And he wants to know that we're as generous, learning to be as generous, as he is. So if our question is, what can I get away with? Will God mind if I only do this? You've lost before you start. If you find that question rising up inside you, then you know you are adrift of God's intention for you. So there's one question that tells you something about the state of your heart. What can I get away with? Another question is this. Shall I pay attention to the presentation? And shall I look at the folder that's available for me so that I give for the church to keep its budget? Well, we let you know those things because it's important. You're part of uh, the church, the whole uh, church. And locally, These are our finances. It's right to keep you up to date with uh, where we are. But I have never thought that giving to the budget was the right thing to do. If Paul tells us, that's Warden Paul tells us, that uh, 5% extra is needed across the board, then it doesn't necessarily mean that each one of us needs to give 5% more than last year. It may mean for some that for the first time ever we take giving seriously. It may mean for others, if they face tough times, we reduce our giving. Those aren't the point. The, The point is not to give simply because of those figures, important as they are. But one of the good principles of tithing that does carry through, it seems to be, in the New Testament, is this proportionality. Whatever your income may be, then you give in proportion. And in a sense, you don't worry about the budget. Natalie and I, my wife and I, have always adopted the approach approach that uh, actually we give our primary proportion to the church. And in one sense, we don't pay too much attention uh, to the budget. But every year we review what that proportion should be. Tithing was corporate. It was about the whole people's giving for the whole purpose of God. Now, I can assure you, if you're concerned about the budget, that there are good things going on with the budget uh, that we uh, ask for. Let me tell you a couple of stories. Uh, uh, In the prayer room over the weekend, uh, Tim Stapleford told a story uh, of going into the local uh, chip shop And uh, because he was associated with the community games that had happened last summer, the owner of the chip shop said, where does the money for these games come from? They cost about £4,000. We paid uh, the lion's share of that. And Tim was just in a terrific position to say, church cares, church gives, church provides. 
And there was a kind of gospel moment went on for that chip shop owner as they kind of puzzled. Uh, give? That's a gospel moment. Good stuff happens with what we give. Or I think of a, a, another person who was actually drifting away from the things of Christ. Life had got difficult in various ways. But through a ministry of the word that was established here in this incredibly expensive but very useful building, through, the ministry, through a ministry of the word that was established afresh uh, here, uh, she's now back, uh, fully engaged, fully committed, fully on track uh, for Christ, fired up. So two questions. What can I get away with? No, let that one go. Don't think about that. Should I give to the budget? No. Not, not directly, not strictly. It's for you and God to sort out. The best way I can put it is to say your giving is to be happy. Again, one of the, old, the New Testament uh, texts, uh, I think Jonathan read it earlier on, was uh, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, it's to be happy giving. And so I want to close as we, or as we close, I want to draw it by saying, okay, well, I've said what it isn't, let's say what it is. Firstly, it's got to balance the local and the out there. Now, for me, one of the best ways to think about that is to think of the old-fashioned uh, tithe and then the free will offering. The, sometimes it's really uh, much more appealing to uh, uh, send money to the cause of some agency, which will probably have a a wide-eyed child on the front of the flyer saying, please give to me. And it won't look quite so appealing to uh, pay for the ordinary weekday keeping up of a building that has drains and a boiler. But good things happen here. And the local church is where each one of us is forged in our, in our love, in our conflicts, in our uh, loves for one another and our stresses to be more like Jesus Christ. It's the local in which that happens. So make sure there's a place for the local. And secondly, yes, there's the, there's the far afield and that may be much more independently uh, of your own devising and responding. Balance the local and the missional. And then secondly, uh, as we think about how much, uh, don't, I won't say give until it hurts, but I will say give until it makes you really, really happy. And that may be a very brave thing to say, because you think, well, I know exactly how much it would make me happy. Uh, can, I, can I put, you know, this five euro cents in the, um, in the collection bag that I came back from holiday with? No, take seriously what the Bible says about the happiness, the joy of giving. Give until it makes you happy. Now, in those folders, I've covered a couple of exceptions. Some of you are students, and you would love to say to me, I'm on a loan. I don't have to give, do I? Yes, you do, and that folder explains why. Uh, Some of you are, are not responsible for the income that comes your way. Either you don't earn income, or there is income coming into your household, but you don't have the control of it. The last thing we want ever to do is to besmirch the name of Christ by asking forgiving from those who are not wholly devoted to him 
and we never want to be heard asking for that. So bear that in mind too. If you want a practical suggestion at the end of this, I suggest you go home and make a budget. Not a budget of how much you should give. Make a different kind of budget. Begin with a budget of how much you should keep. Then give the rest away. There are a good number of us, but unfortunately because it's secret, I can't tell you who they are, who know the joy of what it's like to live that way. Know the joy of what it is to answer that call. The tithing may not be that, but that longing in the heart of God when he says, return to me, that longing is there just as much. Let's close in prayer. Lord God, we don't want to be here today as those who rob you. And we can perhaps escape uh, by saying, well, that was tithing and that was then and that's not now. And uh, we have uh, independent freedom to decide before you. But we still don't want to be those who rob you. Each one of us has a different vocation from you. Each one of us is called to different situations in life. And part of that is the situation of our giving. But it remains true that as we've sung, you deserve our every breath. And if you deserve that, we want to make sure we give you no less than you deserve. So thank you for what you allow us to keep. Make us loving and godly in what we give away. Amen.